بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم. First of all, Veronica, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you thank for coming you. on. Thank you for having me. This has been a long time. A long, long time, time coming. <laughs> yes, I know. Um, uh, but no, I appreciate you having me on and wanting to hear my perspective on things. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. you coming on. Yeah, anytime. Cool. How did you even, what sparked your interest in Islam? It was around when I was 16. I was dating this guy. And I had told him about how I haven't been feeling connected with my religion in years. I mean, years, like, I resented going to church. I felt it as a chore. But I still wanted to be connected to God in some way. I didn't want to be necessarily agnostic, but I wasn't definitely wasn't atheist because everybody else was because you were, like, finding yourself or whatever. Why, why didn't you go the atheist route? I always felt a connection with God. I always felt... Like, there's somebody, something out there that I can talk to, you know, that would answer the questions and the uncertainties and the nervousness I had about life, especially being young and the childhood I grew up in being pretty hard. And I don't know, I just felt there's something else. Like, at, like, at the bottom of, like, you know, the stomach, kind of like the uh, intuition, like, there has to be something else out there, you know. And that's an Islamic belief, right? Mm -hmm. That we're all innately uh, believers of God. Mm -hmm. It's kind of... It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to kind of tell me a little bit what, what made... Why did you say your childhood was difficult? We don't have to get into that if you don't want. Um, parents divorce. Well, parents actually never got married. Uh, parents separated. Um, mother, not the most stable person. I not, don't even really talk to her. So I, I grew up with my single dad, basically. My dad was a single parent. Um, and, you know, juggling everything with my my dad and everything that he was going through with my mom, you know, back and forth between like three houses since I was like 14, moving like eight or nine times, um, switching schools all the time, going to court. It's just, it's not necessarily best environment. So, How does that feel, by the way, hmm. with parents getting divorced? It's it's something that a lot of Americans deal with, mm -hmm. fifty to sixty percent, yeah. and no one like what 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 is that like? Um, you know, I had uh, parent models, and I always leaned toward my friends' mothers. Like I always wanted, like you know, hey, like um, you know, and they were always so welcoming to me. So you know, I saw other models, and I saw my aunt, and then my grandparents as well. So I had them. But definitely will say the loss because, you know, you see so many families out there as a unit, you know, and obviously every family has their issues and every family has problems. But, you know, my one best friend in high school, I we went o I went over to her house all the time. We were like attached to the hip and uh, her parents loved each other. And it was so nice to have like to see that and to have some sort of that sort of representation. And, you know, you kind of miss it coming home and like not having to either help your parent cook or, you know, have somebody to talk to in the same house other than, let's say, your father, because, you know, I don't want to talk to my dad about boys all the time, you know what I mean? Um, but there are negative aspects to it, but there are some positive, like, personally, I would never want to live with my mom if I was a kid. Um, and I think that's, like, important to be able at a young age to have somebody to talk to. Because if personally, if I didn't, you know, I wouldn't be as 
I'm going to say sane as I am today or kind of um, level-headed stuff. Yeah, we, it's often that we look back at the things that's happened to us, whether traumatic or good, and we are thankful for it a lot mm-hmm. of the times. Without this, I wouldn't be who yeah. I am today. Yeah. It really paves the way. Mm-hmm. So you know, this childhood, you even indicated that it paved the way mm-hmm. to you searching for God, which mm-hmm. Islam is, um, at least in my opinion, and I'm sure you share it, is the biggest gift. Yeah. So it's like... Islam really changed my life. It changed my life for the better. It opened so, not necessarily like doors for like opportunities, but to meet new people, have conversations for new experiences and also diving into different cultures. And that's something that I've always loved. I always learning loved learning about different cultures and different family dynamics and, you know, obviously different foods. <laughs> Something like that, but um, Polish food is oh not God, the best. Oh no. God, I couldn't even tell you. I don't even know what Polish. <laughs> no offense, anybody who's Polish, but um, no, I met my best friend to this day, Arij, um, because of Islam. Like I, we met because of a Finsta post, and I followed her, and we just started talking. I told her I was Muslim, and she was like, "What? Really? Yeah." And I was like, "Yeah," and she's like, "You have to come over and meet my family," and. You know, I met her and her little sister, and we have been, like, best friends since. That's awesome. Yeah. So walk me through it again. Yeah. You met your friend, and then yeah. what happened? So it wasn't really until I was, like, dating this guy that I kind of delved more into it and what it was about. Because, you know, I had Muslim friends, and they've explained it to me, you know. Did your search start before dating this guy? Like, in general religions? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so um, I knew I wasn't connected with Christianity, so I kind of was on my own wave of, like praying to God myself and, you know, kind of like talking to him or talking to them and just being like, what, what do I do? Like, what, what is out there? Like, what, what, is, what am I going to do? Like, I don't feel connected with Christianity, but I still want God in my life. And I was kind of researching Judaism. You know, I really didn't practice it a whole lot. I didn't, you know, go that much into it because I was talking a lot to my ex at the time. And then he was just like, well, I can obviously tell you more about it if you want. Once him and I stopped talking, then I, you know, did my own research for about six months, six, seven months, yeah, because I kind of did it in December, and it wasn't really till the late summer till I fully decided this is what I want. Do you think it was better for you that you guys took a break, that you guys uh, ended up breaking up uh, for you to actually find Islam? Because a lot of Muslim women, or just women, become Muslim due to mm-hmm. spousal relationships. And many people question their sincerity and authenticity in finding the religion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think both ways I would have became Muslim. But us being apart really made me sit down myself and be like, was I doing that for him or was I doing that for me? You know, that's why I took those months to sit down and ask myself, is this something I want to do for the rest of my life? Like, is this something that I truly believe in or was I just young and in love and just willing to do whatever, you know, he said? And I think I would have made different decisions based on my faith and it probably would have had came a lot faster. But if you are ever questioning your religion because of a spouse or a you know somebody you're into or you're dating you have to remove them from the equation because it's nobody else's decision except yours because this is your connection with god this is your relationship 
and what you want for yourself. And if you can't remove yourself from it, and then if you get hesitant, I don't want to say hesitant because there's always hesitancy with, you know, changing your life and stuff like that. But if you find yourself sitting there and being like, did I really want this? Because you don't want to go down the road and like, however many years let's say you're not a part anymore and be like man I really made a mistake so I think no it wouldn't have changed I think the time timing it took me but I'm really 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 happy I took the time myself and decided is this something that I truly want for me do you think you would have had the deep reflections that you were able to have as an individual as someone in a relationship if you were instead in a relationship um personally I think yes because with any big decision in my life I like to come to myself and be like is this something for me or am I doing this for somebody else what's your uh, advice to women who are in, in relationships and with Muslim men uh, and are attempting to make this transition to Islam what, what would be your advice to them? I think that you need to ask yourself what you want. You can't, this isn't, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say this isn't, but you shouldn't jump into something because you have a instant, like, connection. You know, that's great and all, but it's really your choice, and it comes down to how you feel and your connection with the religion and how you feel your relationship with God and everything else because you know you're not going to be praying with this person you're not going to be practicing with this person all the time so if you find yourself alone one day and you're like like <laughs> what do I do like what am I doing then maybe that's not for you you know maybe this isn't what you want to do so it's more of a personal and internal reflection about yourself and your beliefs rather than a unit because once you have that individuality then you could become a unit yeah because like you said there's no way once that person's gone let's say they're on a trip or they're just at their home or mm -hmm. something and you're alone you know th there's no one holding your hand there's no yeah. one telling you fear Allah mm -hmm. there's no one telling you fear God mm -hmm. no one telling you to pray put on hijab mm -hmm. and all these things like Islam asks Islam demands a few certain things and I don't think you're able to do that if your heart isn't convinced first mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to pray five times a day for 25 30 years if you're not actually convinced and especially like if you're a woman or a man and but you can only get married to a non-muslim as a man right mm -hmm. so if you're if you're a woman that marries a muslim and you are non-muslim then life isn't going to be beautiful in 10 15 mm -hmm. years where yeah. you're still looking at him as this handsome guy who's young and he's gonna be a little bit fatter you're gonna have <laughs> kids you're gonna be your yeah. body got destroyed by oh having God. three children or yeah. whatever right and you can you know like i said the community that i went into first being 16 and so young and trying to navigate this myself it was so welcoming so warm and just everybody wanted to teach me there wasn't one person that i had met who was a muslim who didn't help me in some sort of way with this religion who didn't want to talk about the negatives things that I maybe thoughts that I had about it or the things that I was confused or questions that I had you know I had so many people that I wasn't even really necessarily friends with who just wanted to help me because they wanted to see my journey and like what I wanted to do with Islam 
I like what you said. Muslims don't shy away from the difficult questions in Islam. Mm -hmm. uh, that's very true. And mm -hmm. it, you know, one of the interesting things is a lot about a lot of the criticisms of Islam historically by atheist or agnostic or Christian and Jewish scholars, it is only documented and known by us in this modern time because Muslim scholars took the time to write it down. Mm -hmm. It is our own religion that wrote down the criticisms of itself mm -hmm. to answer them. Mm -hmm. We are very intellectually honest in the way mm -hmm. we operate. But you're also scientifically minded. That's something you're deeply interested in. So in those six months, how did that kind of go exactly? Because you're reading a, a book that not only comments on everything in life, and one of the things it comments on is science, but mm -hmm. not drastically. At the end of the day, it's a religious book. Uh, did, that, did you ever find like, no, nah, I'm not interested in this God thing. You know, the universe is, is God. Life mm -hmm. is God. Well, I, I think everything that we learn is, came from God. Evolution came from God, like Big Bang. Because yes, scientifically, you have certain, you know, chemical reactions, certain physical reactions, just any sort of one step led to another. And as a scientist, as somebody who is heavily involved in it, I want to look at the cold hard facts and I want to look, okay, this and this happened, so this occurred, right? So I tried to somehow entwine the two, you know, not necessarily take, let's say for Christianity or Catholicism, there's certain parts where it's like, oh, we were just plopped here like humans and stuff like that and evolution doesn't exist some people think the world is 6,000 years old which is not true um and I just wanted something where I could connect the two and have you know a basis in my religion where I can look at and be like wow they discussed this or they talked about this and and relate it to the own work that I'm going to do or the work that I'm doing currently. It's so common in our society and around the world now where it's either science or or religion, religion yeah. and that they conflict Mm -hmm. But I believe, and you believe, and many Muslims believe, mm -hmm. that they're not mutually exclusive. That, if anything, our belief of Islam helps in mm -hmm. learning more about science, especially mm -hmm. when you're observing the universe, you get to think about it differently mm -hmm. than non-Muslims can. Mm -hmm. I like to think he created it in such a perfect way for these things to happen, for, let's say, life to evolve, let's say, for galaxies to rotate for things like black holes and everything like that for us to question what's out there for us to learn more and you know I think I personally love that I love it I love tying in religion and science because personally I think they go hand in hand I mean you could see in the at least when I was growing up Catholic like um there was this quote from the uh Bible that the earth was made in like seven days and you know God brought light and day and all of that and I was always confused about that as a child I was always like how did that you know that doesn't sound right that doesn't seem like that works but as I started learning more about physics and astronomy I sat down and I think I don't want to ever take that or even in the Quran as that literal you know I don't actually think that it happened overnight I think it's more of a um, interpretation of the grand design of the universe as a whole. I would say you can apply that with with the Quran and Islam, mm -hmm. but not necessarily Christianity and the Bible. It's Islamically, before even scientists came out and said that the universe has been around for billions of years, mm -hmm. Islamic scholars 
told us, and even in the Quran, it tells us that a day is not actually the day. Yeah. But Christian scholars had to actually make that revision after the scientific facts came out. Mm-hmm. Well, some scholars made that analysis the moment they realized that they were mm-hmm. like, oh, six days. And then in other places, Allah says, your day is for me a thousand. And then and a thousand in an Arabic doesn't necessarily mean a thousand. Mm-hmm. So some scholars immediately, thousands of years, a thousand years ago, were like, this doesn't actually mean six days. Yeah. So it's a little different between the two as to how they were able to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was also the time reading a chi- um, child's, <laughs> um, you know, yeah, yeah. the rendition with the pictures and everything, you know. So once you took the Shahada, right, mm-hmm. six months after your own personal research, well, when, when the, the journey really now starts, right? What did that start looking like on a social level, on a mental level? Well, I will say it has been very hard. Even now, it is pretty hard because um, my family is extremely conservative. My family doesn't necessarily, you know, agree with Islam. They have a very sheltered mindset about it. And I've tried opening up to them. I've tried, you know, a majority of my friends are Muslim and, you know, have different sort of faiths and so I've had to hide it I still hide it to this day and it's probably not something that I'm going to be open about until I'm either independent or I'm getting married what what do you think would happen if they found out they would probably cut me off Hmm. um they would and you know at least I I I would hope they wouldn't I don't think they necessarily would but they definitely would have a lot of questions and a lot of like, why were you hiding this for so long? Like they, they've had inclinations before. Like my grandmother has and my dad certainly has about it. But what I'm, do you mean? Like, like certain interests? My Muslim, no, like my Muslim pro app would go off and the Adan would go off before I learned how to turn you know the Adan off. And then I stopped eating pork. My family are huge being like, they, my grandparents grew up Italian. They're not Italian, but they grew up in Italian street in Brooklyn. So a lot of pork, a lot of sausage, a lot of all that. And I suddenly one day was like, nope, makes me sick. And my grandmother found my Quran once in my prayer mat and she's thrown it out the window. And she used to lie and say things weren't made with pork when they were to kind of like test me. I used to like put stuff in my mouth and then walk to the bathroom and spit it out. And I have like the Muslim calendar on my phone. And my dad always went like, what's that? Like, why do you have that on your phone? And I'm like, I don't know, like, <laughs> like it's my friends. Like she put the setting on one day, I don't know how to turn it off. And even to this day, like I want to say, I saw him like six months ago. He's like, why do you still have that on your phone? I was like, I don't know. Like, I just haven't never turned it off. Hmm. I don't want to necessarily demonize my family, think that they're so wrong, but generation, like generations, you know, they grew up super Catholic. They have a stereotypical view of Islam. Mm -hmm. Let's just put it like. Yeah, and I would say my dad would probably be way more open rather than my grandmother. She's kind of like the head of the household, and she, you know, I don't want to demonize her and her beliefs, but she grew up in an era where she didn't have, you know, access to all these different religions and cultures and stuff that we have, so she came really firm in her beliefs. And I don't want to sit there and fight with her and change her, and when she asks me about religion, I tell her that I pray to God. I don't go into depths or details and stuff like that. And, you know, at this point, my family knows I don't eat pork. And I, how I'm like, it makes me nauseous and stuff like that. Um, Have they ever caught you praying or with a hijab? 
No. My father seen me with pictures with my hijab on, but thanks to my best friend, Arish, um, when I go over to her house, I dress conservatively. Um, like, I want to say 99% of the time. It's only when, you know, um, it's just her and I, if we're in her room, I'm, like, sitting with shorts on or anything like that. But um, I usually bank it to that, like, oh, her father was there, or oh, she had uncles over. So I, I, I decided just to cover my hair out of respect. I used to tell my dad I was going to the mall and my friend Maud would take me to the mosque or we would go in like, you know, somewhere and we would just talk about Islam or, you know, he was a huge help to me as well. He would drive me to the mosque when I didn't have a car. I think that's the most difficult thing I would have to say would probably be learning prayer because I can't, I couldn't do this in the open. And I went to a community college outside of high school. So I had to live with my grandparents. So that was even like more time where I had to hide what I wanted to do and during Ramadan, I couldn't fast, except when I was at my apartment now, because they would have dinner at six o'clock. You know, so I, there was no point in me trying to fast because they would be like, why aren't you eating? Or haven't you eaten today? You haven't even drank water or anything like that. And my, my family is like, we eat dinner together. It's not like, oh, I can hide it or I can bring it up to my food. There's no food allowed in my room. Um, so, it, you know, I had to hide. And it's, it's hard because I want to be open about it because it's such a big part of my life. It's a massive part of my life. It's introduced me to 90% of the friends that I have now. Yeah, it's interesting because Allah says in the Quran, وَإِن جَاهَدَاكَ عَلَىٰ أَن تُشْرِكَ بِمَا لَيْسَ لَكَ بِهِ عِلْمٍ فَلَا تُطِعْهُمَا وَصَاحِبُهُمَا فِي الدُّنْيَا مَعْرُوفًا Right? And if they ask you, if they push you, جَاهَدَاكَ Like jihad, they are struggling with you. To commit shirk, to associate with me, God, what you do not know of, like Jesus or whatever, yeah. uh, then do not listen to them. But Allah then follows that with, and being friends with them and cordial with them and still family with yeah. them is what Allah expects still, yeah. right? So... Um, people listening to this may be like, oh, I can't believe her family. It's like, no, even Allah tells you, still be nice yeah, to them, still be I kind to them, still, still be loving. And I love my family. They have given me everything and supported me in every possible way I could have ever, I can't even thank them enough for the things that they've done for me in my life. I love them so, so much. I'm not going to demonize them off of something they not they don't even like understand, something they've never researched or delved into themselves. And I mean, hey, I'm only 22. I'm, you know, just still really early on my own journey. And I'm not gonna, you know, drop something on them and expect them to just be, oh yeah, like sure, <laughs> like, yeah, great. Let's get you like a cake or something like that, you know? Cause that's, if, Let's say you found out your child was hiding something so important and so in their lives about it. I don't think you would be happy either, you know? And I'm not going to be upset with them because they have all, they also are, you know, they have their own beliefs and their own systems and how they want to live their life. And I'm not one to judge. I'm not one to be like, oh, you should do this. That's, if you, you live your life how you want to, you take it day by day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On one side, you have this kind of struggle, but you've mentioned your friends quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So it seems like you created your own little Muslim family yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that? Did that? How much did that correlate with you remaining Muslim to this day? Oh, I would say 
A hundred percent. hundred percent. The people that I've met in high school, my friend Ahmad, Arish, Yasmin, Sarah, those people in high school have unconditionally, like, asked me or answered so many questions and helped me in so many ways and and sent me videos and resources. And this one girl, Yara, I even went to HCC where she gave me pamphlets on Islam and talked to me about Ramadan and everything like that. And it was just so great and just so welcoming. And I appreciate those people so much. I really do. And, you know, some of those people I don't even talk to to this day. I don't even know what they're doing. But without them, I think my journey in Islam would be a lot more lost. You know, my best friend, Arish, we would go to the mosque during Ramadan together. Um, we open fasts together. We've prayed together. She's, you know, sent me links to, like, go to jobs that don't fall off and, you know, help me with dressing conservatively when I need to and had just, like, conversations with me for hours about Islam. What would you say, because a lot of converts are still stuck in a very non-Muslim environment. Mm -hmm. What's your advice to them? Because one of the things that the Quran and the Prophet, peace be upon him, tells us is that you need to surround yourself with dif with believers as well in, because this is a social religion. You get more good deeds. You get tens of thousands more, ten times more good deeds praying with others than you do by yourself. I think there are so many resources now online, you know, there, you can do Reddit forums, you can do Instagram, there's TikTok, there's so many TikTok um, uh, converts, you know, that they have their own little community. And I don't think there, you can even visit a local mosque. That's how I found one of the people that really helped me with Islam. First time I ever went to a mosque, I wore ripped jeans, and I had a sweatshirt on, and I had this scarf that I had that I used to wear over the winter because I had nothing else. And I didn't obviously didn't know what I was doing. And it was at night, so it's not like anybody was really there. And I ran into this woman and I told her, I was like, I don't know how to do wudu. Like, I don't know how to do anything here. Could you show me? Wudu, by the way, is the wash that we do uh, before prayer. Mm -hmm. And she was like, yes, of course. So she took me into the bathroom and you know, I rolled up my sleeves, I took on my hijab and she taught me how to do it. And she gave me her email and she was like, if you have any questions or anything, please contact me. I'd love to get together and just talk with you. And to, since you're so young, you know, she was a mom. So she was like, I would love to just, you know, have lunch with you. So I ended up having lunch with her and other converts in like the mosque parking lot. And we just talked about our journey thus far and what, you know, they wanted for them, what they did for their futures when they came into Islam and everything like that. And it was so great. So, you know, I think God will send people into your life if you fully, you know, this is something that you want to delve into. He will, you know, you won't be alone in it. And there's so many things online that you can research and, you know, get into and talk to people. So it's not like you're alone in this journey if you are isolated or if you can't, you feel like you can't talk to somebody. There is somebody out there. Yeah, and there's mm -hmm. so many online classes mm -hmm. that yeah. if you join them, an online class that teaches you Quran, Arabic, mm -hmm. anything about Islam, through that you could become friends with the students. And it's virtual. Mm -hmm. You become friends with the students. Oh my God, you live in Maryland too, yeah. or you live in. Yeah. I live here too. Let's, yeah, you can join a Discord, up. like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Everything like that. Yeah, I even do um, Arabic on Duolingo some every once in a oh, while. Oh, don't you, you know? do that? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. You, know? you can uh, You can also, this is things that I, I was just talking to her about, is you, you can uh, go to go to the, mo- their mosques have programs, yeah. ev- events every weekend. Go mm-hmm. to those events, you'll find Muslim women, you know, Muslim girls your age, and, yeah. or and men your age, yeah. uh, for a boy. And even in your school, too. You go to join MSA, the Muslim Student Association. Join, you know, MSA at your college. There's people, they always, at least at, um, where I go to college, they have, you know, a, during the, um, what's it called, the club fair, they always have, like, a table or two dedicated to Muslims in college and stuff like that. Join those group me's, you know, get out there, talk to people, because they're more than willing to talk to you as yeah. well. Did you have any trouble with anything that Islam said? One thing I did kind of step back and was like, I don't know, was um, death and um, of like family members, people who are not Muslim. My grandfather recently passed away and he was like my best friend. Like he raised me, him and my grandmother raised me. And I even finished out high school and part of college and I lived with them and I was talking to my friend when he first he died of glioblastoma uh, which is a form of brain cancer and I was talking to my friend and I was like thinking about I'm never going to see him again in terms of you know he wasn't Muslim he was a Catholic but I remember having like a full-on like breakdown about it like I was just so I wouldn't I would say it was also about his death in general but I was very scared because that he's somebody that I hold so close to my heart and you know that was I think the main thing because same thing with my siblings has anything ever happened to them or if they got older I love them so much you know I don't want to ever not be able to see them again one day or be in their presence or have like thought of like where they are and what they're doing you know after life you know that whole sitch so how'd you deal with that it's something that I'm still dealing with because my grandfather's passing was I want to say like five months ago it's something that I'm still kind of coming not necessarily coming to terms with but I'm reading up about my on my own time about not necessarily how to deal with it but in the eyes of Islam and what's that like because I like to think he's still looking down on me and even if I do pass you know he will be there my family will be there um regardless you know um it was very hard though and it's still something that I find a bit emotional to kind of discuss because like I said I'm still very on early in my journey with Islam so I don't know everything and I don't know you know answers to certain questions and that's something I would have to read up more about and kind of learn and absorb for myself and think about myself and my relationships and my family and everything and trust that you know God will um I don't know how to phrase that like it's it's just hard it is. That is one thing that I find difficult. For and sure, I, I absolutely see that. And I, I got what kind of questions come to mind about that stuff? Because that's something that I've thought about and discussed mm-hmm. with people mm-hmm. a lot and throughout my entire life. 
So this is this isn't new, especially because I we you know I also have non-Muslim friends, yeah. and when they pass away, the most difficult thing is not the death as much as what happened to them after the death. Yeah. You know, I my grandfather had this whole belief. He always told me ever since I was little. I believe whatever happens to you, whatever you believe happens to you in death is what will happen. So I've been holding on so hard to this belief that I will see him again, you know, um, regardless of his religion. Because even in Islam, it says, you know, to respect other religions, especially the, you know, Abrahamic religions and stuff like that. And he was, you know, somebody who loved God, went to church every Sunday and, you know, prayed and everything like that so I'd like to think that you know one day my family and I would be united but the questions I have really is my when I was talking to my friend about this she actually told me something that sent me into this whole like oh my gosh like emotional breakdown and just crying but she was like you're probably not gonna see him again one day and I was like girl what (laughs) like what are you saying like what does that mean? And, you know, I don't think she meant it in a bad way. I think she was trying to comfort me in a situation that she probably doesn't know much about either. So I don't like, obviously, um, get upset with her for that. Um, so it's just what does happen, you know, because I have so much love for my family, you know, what will happen? And it's, I don't think a question that anybody can really answer until you know you come to that time in your life where you do pass away yeah so so what i'll, I'll what i'll advi- give you advice on is and if you want it you want it yeah. as, as mm-hmm. much as you can do your own research but um we have to be very careful and the way you should research is how Allah Allah speaks very specifically in the quran mm-hmm. and it doesn't speak as you know in any so, for example, when he says disbelievers, what you read as disbelievers in the Quran, the actual word he's using is kuffar. And kuffar is not necessarily a disbeliever. Uh, a, kuf, a kuffar or kafir that translates to disbeliever means something actually much deeper. It means uh, what, what you would originally call the first stage of farming. Uh, the, the early stage of a farmer is called a kafir who puts a seed into the ground and buries it deep into the ground and hides it. So Allah uses that word that originates from the beginning of a a farmer Mm -hmm. putting a seed into the ground to describe disbelievers in the Quran. Meaning what? That the seed of knowledge of Islam, they took it and they buried it deep inside them and they covered it in their hearts. So Allah is not saying someone who isn't necessarily Muslim, Mm -hmm. but actually someone who isn't Muslim and knows Islam is the truth and took that and buried that deep in his heart or her heart and covered it. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it, you have to, your grandfather, for example, has to have known about Islam, has to have gotten the correct message about Islam. And in many cases, you can argue that he had to know that Islam was the truth and covered it with his heart to, mm-hmm. to go under the definition of disbeliever that Islam sets up. Another part, uh, we were actually looking at this the other day. Uh, if you can even pull up the uh, Quranic verse um, from Al-Huda Productions, uh, where where Allah says uh, the Jews and the Christians and the Samians, it was it was a, a, like bring up Al-Huda Productions and we can find it. Uh, 
And he said, all of them can enter heaven, except those who disbelieved from within them. Mm-hmm. So Allah didn't even add an entire, all of them yeah. are going to go. Uh, so it, it really is, you. I, what, what I tell people all the time is you're never safe, but you're never uh, in trouble yeah. in Islam. Mm-hmm. No one knows yeah. who's going to heaven and who's going to yeah. hell. Uh, there's a story of a, a, a man that Allah, two men that Allah brings forth on the day of judgment. And Allah looks at the believing man that was righteous and he says, what, what did you say to this other man? He says, I told him he's going to hell. He said, why'd you tell him he's going to hell? He said, look at him. Look at all the terrible things he's done. He's yeah. clearly going to hell. Mm-hmm. And so Allah says, he's not going to hell. Actually, you're going to hell for mm-hmm. saying that to him. And obviously in Islam, we don't believe people necessarily have to go to hell forever, especially if they're Muslim yeah. or in any type of belief system. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sent the man that was told he's going to hell uh, to heaven instead. So, yeah, we never know how Allah's going to judge. No one, whether Muslim or non-Muslim, can say that they're safe from hell. Mm-hmm. And no one, whether Muslim or non-Muslim, can say that they are going to hell. Yeah. So that that's what we should all keep in mind is Allah, yeah. the, the thing that should give you or I advise, I advise you and anyone who struggles with what you're, that should give you comfort the most is that Allah will deal with your grandfather and with your family and with all of us more just than he would, than you would. Mm-hmm. So Allah's going to be more merciful on your grandfather than you are and more just on your grandfather than you are. No, I mean, that definitely obviously brings me comfort. I mean, this past six months with his passing has been pretty hard and, and I just sometimes i sit there and think and like you know sometimes i talk to him like hey like how are you doing and it's kind of hard talking about him um and thinking about that and everything else like every because then once you think about him you think about your grandmother and your dad and everybody else you know what i mean but um no i definitely am gonna look way more into it um especially because it would probably help the whole grieving process (laughs) i think you're not looking into it because you're afraid of what you may find yes (laughs) and i think what you'll find will actually be better than what you're you're thinking you're gonna find no you're you're definitely right and like i said i'm still super early on in my whole journey with this um like to any you know anybody who's thinking about or converting or has converted and they feel so overwhelmed with the amount of information like I've said previously, it's not an overnight thing. This is a year's worth of thing. You know, people who are born into Catholicism, like I was, I had my whole life to catch up. You know, I just decided this when I was 16. And to, you know, look at, compare those two differences in time, like that's a, that's a whole lifetime I've lived. And then I'm still trying to find my way and learn and, you know, not and bring it into my life and that takes time yeah so. absolutely you know guys are like oh you're muslim like you don't dress or act like a muslim or anything like that and i'm like oh my gosh i didn't know there was like a specific type of person like to dress or act like a muslim yeah i have always gotten those you're muslim like they look at me like what and i'm like yeah like it's not it's i'm not like i'm not trying to wear it as like a badge of honor or like look at me like it's a part of my life it's part of my identity um i don't want to like showcase it and show it to the world like oh look at me i'm muslim now like you know um it's a lot more personal and a lot more something like i said it's my relationship with god so yeah you know. at some point uh like 
what you're saying is correct. It should be a personal relationship mm-hmm. with God and so so on. But Muslims also have the concept of, of socialness within yeah. the religion, oh. right? Mm-hmm. So actually portraying that you're Muslim through mm-hmm. things like the hijab is something that Allah and the Prophet, peace be upon him, would, would like, like us to yeah. do, mm-hmm. right? Uh, as Allah says in the Quran, and who is more beloved to Allah than the one who is Muslim, believes, and says that I am Muslim, mm-hmm. and then does good, right? Mm-hmm. Can you pull up the uh, the model of Einstein's theory on gravity? Because you were like, I don't like that model. So let's okay. take a look at it. I, I like that model. I like that model. But um, the only issue, and this is what my astrophysics professor actually instilled in us, it's not a good interpretation of how we view gravity. Why is that? Because gravity is not two-dimensional. Hmm. It's three dimensions. This is a two-dimensional, you know, see that like that well that I was referring to? That, this one would be more mm-hmm. like it? Mm-hmm gravity kind of acts like a well but in three dimensions it's like a sphere so okay. that's just like a two-dimensional interpretation but I, got, I gotta ask you about this because mm-hmm. this i'm interested in this with gravity mm-hmm. we talk about it in an interesting way mm-hmm. we call it the fabric of that it affects a like fabric of space and time and stuff but what i've been thinking about lately and this is just my bs this is anything <laughs> but we call it gravitational waves we use a lot of liquid terms mm-hmm. or liquid or water-based terms to describe uh, the universe. Another one is... A lot is of fluidity, you know. A lot of fluidity mm-hmm. a ripple. It's interesting. In the Quran, Allah says that mm-hmm. that they all swim. Mm-hmm. When he's describing the orbit of, of uh, the planets, mm-hmm. he describes them as swimming. Not not even just that, but um, one, I do love that, um, you know, the whole like swimming because people, when we're taught about the universe as children, we're taught that, you know, we have the sun, you know, um, and all the planets orbiting around it, kind of like in a um, ellipse, you know, all of that. But actually, we are shooting through space um, more on a diagonal and we're not, it's kind of like a corkscrew. We're not, you know, we're not stationary because obviously we're orbiting in this giant the galaxy itself that's probably, you know, it's, that's also moving through space. So we, nothing in space is stationary. Everything is moving. So we have motions like this, you know, upwards. Like if you think of the sun, nothing is actually just, you know, we're not just revolving around something. We're actually, you know, fluid you know moving and stuff like that which i think adds to what you were saying about the whole fluidity yeah what if it's not really a fabric of space and time Mm -hmm. but that the universe actually kind of operates in a fluid water-like manner that the universe is kind of like a pool um you can think of it as that um but the only issue is if you think of like a pool things with more mass i mean i guess you have gravity those wells like greater the mass the more it affects it around it but and that's why i'm saying not with the properties of water because mm-hmm. yeah I'm i was ass- just thinking assuming, you know scientifically i'm like wait i'm trying to like picture it but no i see what you're saying like, like if it didn't break the surface tension yeah like the buoyancy yeah um you can definitely think of it i think that's a great interpretation especially with when it comes to gravitational waves because when you have something like a supernova or neutron stars colliding even colliding black holes those things um are what emit gravitational waves and gravitational waves are the you know 
waves that like go like this across the um universe i mean obviously not like this it's three-dimensional and that's a little bit more complex on um how to visualize that it's pretty hard but um it that's that's a good interpretation of how to think about how gravity and things are traveling across space because like how i even said earlier when i held up my paper and i put my pencil in if you were to put a marble you know right here it would kind of glide down or it would just slide down to the center you know like a slope Hmm. so you can think of it you know like that too yeah do you now reflecting on that the fact that Allah 1400 years ago in a man in the desert gave us the imagery Mm-hmm. of the way that, that the planets and the stars that they swim mm-hmm. do you think that was kind of a wise choice of words or i definitely do i think it's it's a godly choice of words i i i definitely think you know it is because if you look back at the time that obviously thousands of years ago we didn't have anything i mean obviously yes we had knowledge we had math we had everything like that but those interpretations are very 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 hard to come across and think of especially when you think it's even further back before we we thought we were the center of the universe we thought everything revolved around us we thought the sun revolved around us and we were just sitting there you know whatever that's why we had night and day and all of those mathematical observations that you would kind of need to have a telescope for you kind of need to have i mean yes you could maybe have thought of it but it's very hard when you thought the world all the way back then was so large but in reality we are so so small yeah yeah and to say out of everything i mean he could have used any word and he used Mm -hmm. swimming Mm -hmm. which is now again when i listen to you speak and when i listen to physicists speak Mm -hmm. they use a lot of fluidity type Mm -hmm. liquid type terms i mean fluid is a good representation to kind of because there is a lot a lot of things that you can get confused on when you start hitting these like upper level physics and upper level astronomy classes that you need a visual to really kind of comprehend what you're talking about like even infinity people can say yeah infinity infinity means everything i'm like no i mean yes but you can't comprehend infinity because it's infinite you know like it's huge um it's beyond what you can ever measure beyond what you could ever conceptualize so i think a lot of fluids are discussed because it's great to interpret that like the universe in that way because it's easier for us to comprehend but for it to be you know obviously in the quran that that's a huge thing to me personally you know in in terms of when i want to tie my science and my religion together yeah i will say my the my favorite video about gravity all of time is this video of them dropping a giant ball and feathers at the same time and it's yeah it's by this they put this in a uh, vacuum seal so they take out all of the air yeah it's that one it's this is so hard to comprehend oh brian cox this is my favorite video i've literally showed like 20 people this video how do you feel about brian cox i don't know anything about him other than this video x marker because their gravity isn't enacted when something's falling right something like that yeah it is it Uh, is yeah so everything's okay so one thing i will say about gravity 
is, um, for instance, the satellites in like the ISS that are traveling around Earth right now, they're falling towards Earth, right? Uh-huh. So they're in a constant state of free fall. So I like, you know, weightlessness and all of that, obviously no gravity, but I mean, um, they're still in this constant state of free fall. That's why we have that orbit. Different weights of object will fall at the same rate. But here you're like, okay, no, they won't. Obviously, because the feathers are super light, but that's air resistance. You know, gravity is why we fall at 9.8 meters per second, Mm. you know, stuff like that. So what they're going to do now is going to suck all of that air out, which is actually super crazy. It's this massive, massive tank. Um, I forget what type of tests they used to do in there. But say, let's say for bugs, for instance, they can jump off like side of the tables, be perfectly fine. No, no, no damage to them because they have a really, 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 uh, was it low terminal velocity. So, you know, acceleration just means like basically you're pushing on the gas pedal faster and faster. So the heavier you are, the faster and faster and faster you go. But you always have a point of terminal velocity where that is the maximum amount of acceleration or velocity that you'll reach. So, like I just said, for ants, like, ridiculously small. They can be dropped from, like, the top of the atmosphere, and they'd probably be fine. Um, yeah, <laughs> but um, my favorite thing about special relativity is time dilation. Time dilation, I don't know if anybody's seen Interstellar. It's my favorite movie. <laughs> um, but basically, when you're near large amounts of gravity, gravity is going to affect you differently than it was if somebody's observing you. So let's say I sent you out super, super far away, right? You left, we're the same age. You left super far and you came across a black hole and you landed on a planet right next to it with a super large amount of gravity. Time will pass differently for you than it will pass differently for me. So 30 years will have passed for me and it could be like five hours have passed for you. I could have aged, I could have died, I could have lived a whole life, all of that, and you would only be five hours older. And that is because uh, straight up just of gravity? Gravity. It's gravity affecting space and time. Um, but what I did want to ask you about actually in terms of Islam and space was I- the expansion of space. And um, talk about you know the, the connections in expansion and observation because I think those are huge. I, I love reading the two and comparing them. And... Um, We built the universe with great might, and we are certainly expanding it. Yes, um, the universe came to be in, was it 10 to the negative? Let's see. Basically, the universe is it came from extremely rapid inflation. That's what we know. It was 10 to the negative 33 seconds. That's how fast it was, which is insane um, to think about. And to see that kind of tie-in with the Quran is very nice, and it's nice to you know, have those two, you know, go hand in hand in a sense, because I'm in a major and in a, uh, surrounded by a lot of people, I'm not going to say a lot of people because, but, um, majority are like, okay, well, scientifically, this, this, and this, and this happened, it's nothing else, you know, so I like connecting the two, because it brings two worlds that I love so much together, you know, um, and, the whole thing was like we're certainly expanding it that goes into the Hubble constant and how the universe ex- is expanding 
and in, in accelerating the further we get away from, you know from the further we look faster it's accelerating veronica thank you so much for coming on yeah appreciate I mean, you no problem